When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good morning, everybody. It's time for another NBA strategy show. And here we're going to be breaking down tonight's nine-game slate, all the different injury situations to look at. And all we're going to ask from you guys is to simply like the video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. We do appreciate it. Shout out to Sleeper, who is sponsoring our show. We'll be talking more about them in a little bit because you do get a deposit bonus when you sign up there. And also, there's a free square to be taking advantage of. But uh, first, Josh, how did last night go for you? Because it, uh, it certainly sucked for me. It didn't. Um, it didn't go well for me. I don't totally know what my biggest issue. I didn't really go back and evaluate. Like once I knew that I didn't really have anything running into that 10 o'clock game, I didn't really pay much attention. And I never, I, I went and checked my ROIs, like pre-lock ROI and stuff, but I didn't actually dig in to find out who was my biggest issue. So I guess I should do that right now. Who sucked the most? It was, uh, it wasn't Dante even... DiVincenzo. So I could tell you for me, I know what sunk my lineups and I don't regret it at all. I went heavy on Joel Embiid last night. He was in a third of my lineups. Considering what the ownership ended up being on Joel Embiid, I feel really good about getting to a lot of Embiid as a tournament option on only a five-game slate. People didn't have the flexibility to swap to him in lineups. So I, I felt like I did something correct there. But then, of course, Joel Embiid goes to the locker room early. Then he ends up hurting his knee. He never should have played in that game. It was very clear no. after the fact that he was not remotely healthy enough to be playing last night. And now it might end up costing him the rest of the season because it seems like he got hurt pretty significantly. That's definitely the, the biggest issue I ran into last night. I didn't have a ton of Josh Hart, and I thought that was a good thing at first. I th I'm pretty sure he was pretty quiet in the first half, and then I I'm going to go out on a limb and say that that Got a lot bigger later, but heavy on DiVincenzo, heavy on Brunson, which was a bit of a problem. Who's the high scorer? Oh, yeah. Never mind. I didn't have Aaron Neesmith, so suck it, Sean V. Uh, <laughs> I didn't have any Steph, which really blocked me out there. Heavy on Tatum, which was fine. Trey Young was good, but he wasn't all that owned. I think Josh Hart was my biggest issue. Yeah, I see uh, Sean V taking some uh, victory laps in the YouTube chat there, which... I'm, I'm just looking at the slate. I'm looking at my lineups. I never thought of Aaron Neesmith, but you never know, right? Sometimes you just run lineups through the Sims and all that, and you just, you'll wind up with two, 3% of random guys. Neesmith was only 2% on last night, and he was needed to do anything of significance. So I'm looking at the leaderboard, like, great, I don't have any Aaron Neesmith. What a random way to just tank my lineups. And I tweet about it, like, why is Aaron Neesmith having just the biggest game of all time? He's, like, leading the slate in scoring at one point. He finished with 57 yeah. DraftKings points. And Sean V responds to me and he said he knew he knew and he told you on the strategy show and you yeah. poo pooed him and then i'm getting the link sent to me and it was uh it, it, if there was any way for me to not end up winning last night the idea that it was that sean v was right and everybody else was wrong it, it's a funny way it's first of all let, let's just let's get this dork out of the way you don't lead off chat saying sean v bringing the fire no person <laughs> should speak like even Deion Sanders would find that disgusting. So let's just start right there. The lack of respect in chat is always going to happen when that's the way you come back. Are you going to do the opposite? Where are your, oh no, I didn't get that right. 
for the every other day of the NBA season when you whiff on this narrative garbage. I am not I, giving him a single you, bit of credit. Yeah, I don't know. I see it that way. I'm not sure I've ever seen Sean be wrong. Yeah. <laughs> well, he would tell you that he's never been wrong. That's for sure. Sean V would tell you Sean V has never been wrong. Yeah. Hey, look, Sean V's taking his victory laps in the chat. Tom Spaulding saying, thank you, Sean. No joke. I appreciate that, man. Look, Sean's he helping couldn't make a whole win. lap. Sean's helping the people win. It's it's really strongly on my mind to get Eric out of here and start replacing him with Sean V on shows. It's always something that's in the back of my mind. And Sean V's bold call on Aaron Neesmith last night. Certainly, certainly uh, helping people win money in the chat. The easiest way for you guys to win money tonight, you sign up at Sleeper. Take advantage of the promo offer because you're getting up to a $500 bonus on your first deposit when you sign up at Sleeper with our link. It doesn't have to be 500 If you want to bet 100 there, they're going to match you on that 100 as well, but all the way up to 500 And in addition to that, there's a free square for tonight. Devin Booker has been shooting the lights out, and this is one that I also think Sean V would be on the right side of. Over under .5 points for Devin Booker tonight. Josh, anybody can get this one right. Over .5 for Devin Booker. You guys get access to this free square when you sign up at Sleeper using the link we have below. So take advantage of that offer. Up to a $500 bonus on your first deposit. Over .5 points for Devin Booker. Only available to people who sign up for the first time using our link below. Let's get into tonight's slate now. It's a nine-gamer. We are going to kick it off with the Chicago Bulls on the road against the Charlotte Hornets. On the Bulls side of the game, Dalen Terry is doubtful. He left last night's game early. In addition to that, Patrick Williams remains out. Zach Levine remains out as well. Total's very low in this game, though, Josh. 217.5, by far the lowest total on the slate. Is anything standing out to you from the Bulls? They do have a couple players out, tail end of a back-to-back as well. This game in particular is a pain in the ass because when I saw it, I just assumed, oh, I probably won't have all that much of this 217 total on a nine-gamer. That doesn't appear to be the case. 23% ownership coming into Vooch. Uh, 27% ownership coming into Desunmu. I'm getting the Desunmu piece. Uh, his minutes just continue to climb with Patrick Williams out. Is he a great per minute dude? No, he's like a 0.8 guy. But point guard, shooting guard, 4,600. Really nice value option. I think his ownership is fine. We have him negatively leveraged, but he's still 19% to be optimal, the most optimal play from the Bulls. So certainly the first guy you're probably looking at. I have no problems getting to Vooch, but as slates get bigger, I find myself really dubious of center chalk unless there's like a clear and obvious pricing error or someone's like stepping into a different role. Vooch is right around where he always is no matter what. So he's 23% owned. He looks like a great play, but he's 13% optimal. I only have 14%. I do understand the negative leverage. It's always very easy to find a different center, basically in any tier if you're trying to get a little bit different. I find that to be the easiest place to get different normally. DeRozan at 7,900, double-digit ownership, totally reasonable, around 10%. I think Caruso is totally fine. This is the good Caruso, not the bad Caruso, by the way. Uh, <laughs> and then Kobe White, 7,600, point guard only, 9% owned. I had a very big stand on Kobe White yesterday. That one didn't help either. He was dreadful early. I don't know if he salvaged at all, but oh no, here it comes. Kobe White returns home to North Carolina to square off against the Hornets. This dope is doing it again. Where was that? Uh, Neither of them play there yesterday, I guess. Uh, I don't have any Kobe White right now, but uh, totally reasonable play. So is that the revenge play of the night from Sean V in the chat? Is that the revenge play of the night? I hate this so much. Knowing what I had yesterday, like... I had 48% Kobe White yesterday at 26 and a half fantasy points, three and a half X his salary. 
there's nothing more obvious than me having zero of Kobe White today and him going crazy because Sean V knows that he's from North Carolina. So if there was a spread yesterday, Kobe White plus 30 fantasy points, I believe he would have lost Aaron Neesmith. Is that correct? That sounds right. Yeah. Which also, I'm fairly sure I didn't have Aaron Neesmith projected for anywhere close to 30 fantasy points. And he lost <laughs> to Kobe White by over 30 fantasy points yesterday. I didn't Shout have him for 41 to- minutes. That much I could tell you. <laughs> Also, uh, one other thing that happened with Kobe White, he did get into foul trouble very quickly yesterday. I think he had two fouls three minutes into the game and had to be taken off the court, if I remember correctly. So he missed a lot of the first half because of that. He still played 35. Did he really? Yeah. I wasn't sure. His he final just sucked. Point .76 fantasy points per minute. So he must have not, basically not come off the court from the start of the second quarter to the rest of the game. Let's find out. Right? Because if my math is correct, he would have played... Well, also, he played the I'm entire remember- second quarter. Okay. Then he had an eight, nine minute rotation to start the third and then came back in for the final 30 seconds, played the first four minutes of the fourth, fourth quarter and the final five minutes of the fourth quarter. So nine fourth quarter minutes, 10 second quarter minutes or third quarter minutes. So he had 19 minutes in the second half. Uh, he didn't lose nearly as much time as you think he did, though. He, he only like. He lost time for sure. He played a four and a half minute rotation in the first quarter and then didn't come back out, but he made up for that in the second quarter. Yeah, that's a shit ton of playing time they gave him. Shout yes. out to Rob H. Rob H saying, thank you guys for the help these last couple of months. Got my first GPP top three finish. Now, where do I go for the free month of The Sims? So here's what you go ahead and do, Rob H. If you're playing on DraftKings or FanDuel, whatever it is that you ended up winning on, and if you're using the Stochastic Avatar, very important to use the Stochastic Avatar, you tweet at us at stochastic HOF over on Twitter. Send us a screenshot of your win with also your uh, handle in there with the avatar. And then I'll uh, reach out to support. So that is going to be support at stochastic.com. And then you'll get a free month of any package of your choosing. So uh, Rob H, congrats. Love to see you win. But yeah, just uh, tweet that image at us with the win and then with also the avatar. And also any of you guys want a free month of any stochastic package of your choosing. Play with the avatar, the stochastic avatar, and then tweet at us when you end up winning. So, uh, Rob H., congrats. Love to see you guys taking stuff down. And then uh, he also said, yes, sir. Tweeted y'all boys. Thanks to you two specifically. Even better. Thank only to us, Josh. Only to us. He didn't didn't credit Sean V at all anywhere. By the way, did you have Aaron Neesmith in your lineup? Did you have Aaron Neesmith in that lineup? I didn't have any. I didn't have any. I had zero last night. I'm curious if he was in Rob's lineup, though. Yeah, I had... uh... Let me make sure I do. Yeah, I, I didn't have any. Two and a half percent owned. I mean, you weren't supposed to get there. You weren't. It, it is It is somebody, though, who, it, with it being a five-game slate, I wouldn't have been surprised if I just had him in a couple of lineups and just unfortunately didn't last night because that was how boy, the, the Sims model needs to be updated for how angry people are and how much vengeance they're feeling in their hearts. Yeah. I, if I'm the Pacers right now, I'd be so pissed at Indiana for – Neesmith only trying hard against Boston. Like, do you think he could maybe try hard against the other 28 teams? Are you allowed to do is that? How that works? That. If, if you yeah. go, if, if you find out that this guy is actually an all-star caliber player, but he hasn't been trying in every single game, I'd be like, well, that's, that's kind of fucked up of him. He's a professional athlete getting paid millions of dollars. And he only shows up for what the two games a year they play against Boston because, and also the, he's mad at Boston because he was bad when he was there. Why is he mad at Boston? I don't know. What does he want to just go back to not playing for Boston too? Could be because he was terrible there. Yeah, he should be mad at he, himself. He should. Does he anybody should. be vengeful about it? Be be angry at himself for being terrible early in his career. 
Or just be side. mad at Sean V because that's way easier. I, I think that you've you've already cornered that market. There's only so much would go around. It's like it's like a usage rate. There's only a certain amount of Sean V hate usage, and I love Sean, but uh, mm. you you've cornered the market on yeah. dislking him there. But yeah, I'm like the Luka on. Doncic of hating him. <laughs> we'll it all runs through me. Charlotte Hornets. We've got a robust injury report for them. Lamelo Ball, most notably, he is doubtful to play. Gordon Hayward, he remains out. Mark Williams is out. Kyle Lowry, he's likely to never end up playing for the Charlotte Hornets. So we've seen more condensed usage and playing time here for Charlotte, Josh, with Lamelo out. But some of the prices have also adjusted. Is anything looking good to you from the Hornets now that the prices have changed a little bit with Lamelo being out? This seems a massive problem today. This is where it starts to get really scary. Uh, we've got 25% ownership coming into Cody Martin and P.J. Washington. We have Martin at that ownership number still as a positive leverage play. He is 30% optimal. I have 70% Cody Martin at this moment, 4,400 small forward. Started at point guard last time out, um, but 4,400 if he's going to play 30 minutes. Even at a bad per minute rate, he looks really interesting here. P.J. Washington, similar story. You know, the minutes are there now. He, we got him in for 33 and a half. I got him in for 34. So I'm in lockstep with our projections, 25% owned. Little bit of negative leverage, but still 21% optimal. He's in 40% of my stuff. And then Nick Richards, 5,700. He's 16% owned. He's basically right on his optimal rate. I have 26% of him. His minutes also up a hair as of late. Those three guys look amazing to me today. I'm not getting Brandon Miller, and I really legitimately don't know why. I have Brandon Miller projected for three more fantasy points than we do and I still didn't get him to show up as a $6,600 shooting guard small forward. Very curious to see if that changes, because he grades out as a good play. So does Miles Bridges, although I took his under on prize picks. Watch the video, by the way. Uh, Cody Martin, Nick Richards, P.J. Washington, can't get away from them. And I think Bridges and Miller are also very good plays for today. Brandon Miller has a lot more playing time upside than I think is being recognized by our projections right now. In competitive games, he's been playing 37 to 39 minutes as of late. So yep. uh, I'm, I'm, I've been not rostering Brandon Miller as of late. And in hindsight, mistake by me. Should have been playing him more, especially when you look at what his minutes have looked like. And the usage has been really high as well. Uh, sometimes we'll see this with young players. They'll they'll develop at a much quicker rate than other players around the league. And they could be wildly different players from game one of the season, just a couple months in. And a couple of guys who we've really seen that impact, Brandon Miller's one and Wemby's another one. Wemby's been an outstanding fantasy producer for a, a while now, but also the efficiency is coming around. So Brandon Miller, Victor Wembanyama, these are guys that we should be viewing a little bit differently now than we did a couple of, uh, couple of months ago. Anything else to talk about from the Charlotte Hornets? Not really. I actually just uh, refreshed. I ran a second uh, sim once we got started. Everything that I said about Martin Richards and PJ Washington holds true. I do now have 6% of Brandon Miller and 10% of Miles Bridges. I think I didn't upload my projections before I ran it, so it wasn't giving me the, the bump to Brandon Miller the way that I have it in here right now. So it makes a little bit more sense that I'm getting there now, but didn't change anything for Martin, for Richards, for Washington. Los Angeles Clippers on the road against the Washington Wizards, and the Clippers have a massive team total in this game. The total is 236.5 points for the overall game. The Clippers are favored by 12, which means that they have the individual highest team total of the entire slate. They're expected to score a ton of points. We do have a healthy team for them today, so Kawhi, Harden, Paul George, none of them are going to be on the injury report. 
And clearly they all individually have upside in a matchup against the Wizards, Josh. But are there any of these stars individually that you're highest on from the Clippers? There is. There's a there's a clear one. Uh, I've got him. The boom bust tool has him as well. That's going to be Kawhi Leonard, 8,200, small forward, power forward. Uh, we got him projected for 35 minutes. I went to 36. I could see me walking that back because of this matchup. Uh, I think, you know, if you're ever going to play less than your averages, a matchup against the Wizards might be that one. But 29% owned. We have him with some pretty big negative leverage, but he's still 17.5% optimal. Kawhi's in 20% of my stuff. I don't have another share of anybody from the Clippers. Now, I would have no problem getting James Harden. He's pulling 10% optimal. I don't think you can go to Paul George right now. And then the rest of the team is all just guys that exist you know, like two or three percent own, like random flyers are totally fine. It's Kawhi as a priority, James Harden as a very functional rosterable piece. I don't happen to have him right now, but there's no reason that you shouldn't. And then we've got Paul George's project for less than one percent ownership. His minutes could get a little bit weird. We know that he's been dealing with this lingering groin issue, which if I'm the the Clippers, I would just sit Paul George for a little bit, but apparently mm-hmm. they want to have him play through the groin injury and they're just gonna monitor his minutes. Less than 1% ownership. You could take shots on him for tournaments just because it is a good matchup against the Wizards. And then also nobody's playing him. But the clear guy that we want to be getting to from the Clippers is Kawhi Leonard. And there isn't much of a need for some of the ancillary pieces on the team. And as he should absolutely sit Paul George Day. If if you're a 12-point favorite against the Wizards, like there's no incentive. You gain nothing here. Only bad things can happen if you play Paul George in this matchup. Just get him rest. And I feel about that with him in general. They've said openly yeah. he has a groin issue. He's not 100%. Just sit him for a couple of weeks. This is, The Clippers have been rolling. They don't have any yeah. risk of missing the playoffs. Just rest him. The worst thing you could have, the worst thing that could happen to this team is Paul George gets a serious injury and then he's out for an extended period of time. I, better off resting a couple yeah. of weeks. I'm no doctor, There's, but that's my opinion. The, like if they're 12 point favorite, if they just sit Paul George, they're what, 10 point favorites today? Like there's no, yeah. it's not, you're playing for April and May and June. Don't worry about a random Wednesday against the shittiest team in the league. And talking about the uh, shittiest team in the league on the (laughs) other side of the game, I don't really see a real need to get to any of these goofballs. Kyle Kuzma's projected for 5% ownership. We got Jordan Poole at 1%, Tyus Jones at 2%. There's a lot of good value on the slate. I don't really see a need to get to the Wizards at anything meaningfully. No, you could always roster like Kyle Kuzma is always fine to get into a lineup. He is the most optimal at six and a half percent and most owned at five and a half. I've got some a couple shares of Kuzma. Uh, I've got a pool share and that's it. I, the, the less we say about Washington, the better. Congratulations to um, the Baltimore Orioles uh, for selling their team. So at least one good thing is happening to our former co-host uh, because it's I think he's very happy that the Orioles are now going to be a real baseball team, but uh, it's not looking as good for the Wiz. No, and the Orioles uh, on on the up and up, but they also had a dickhead of an owner who's uh, apparently now going to be out of the picture and not the only shitty basketball team we have to talk about today, Josh, not only the Washington Wizards, the Detroit Pistons are also playing today on the road against the Cleveland Cavaliers. This game is a 13 point spread. As bad as the Wizards look, the Pistons look even worse. Cade Cunningham's back. Yep. I don't expect him to play a full allotment of minutes. And then on top of that, these guys are kind of expensive. Duren's up to 7,200. Jaden Ivey's 6,700. This is the least appealing team on the entire slate. I don't have a single share of anybody. The highest optimal odds are 2% to Asar Thompson. They have 4% aggregate ownership. 
only team in single digits, only other teams that are close to them, Sacramento, who we're going to get to shortly, San Antonio, which is interesting, and Phoenix later on tonight. This is just a total no-go, especially now with Mobley back. And then also talking about the Cavs side of the game, it's not only the Mobley's back, Darius Garland's expected to play tonight too. So we've got Garland back in the mix. Mitchell's been great as of late, but Garland's back. We've got Mobley back and probably starting to see a little bit more minutes coming his way. And Donovan Mitchell's been priced up. So he's more expensive on DraftKings and FanDuel than he was prior to all these players getting injured. So if you had to play one guy from the Cavs, sure, I would say Donovan Mitchell has the most upside. But this is also a side of the game where it's the inverse of what we're looking for in value. Guys are priced out and players are coming back from injuries. I have a share of Donovan Mitchell and a share of Jared Allen. I don't really know how you want to go to anything. I can promise very confidently that 10% optimal, 4% owned Max Struess will not be 10% optimal in a couple hours. That one will go away, um, which is just going to make this entire team look a little bit worse. I, I don't think you can play Garland at 7,500. I mean, he could be in good enough shape. He only broke his face. So, uh, like, I, in theory, I guess he could have been running. But, uh, you know, I gave him 30 minutes. He's not going to look all that appealing. It's going to take a very specific day. We only went 27. Neither of those numbers really matter. I'm looking through my exposures to different teams right now, and it's so concentrated because now the next game we have to talk about, Josh, it's the Sacramento Kings on the road against the Miami Heat. And this is another team here in the Sacramento Kings that isn't all that appealing. The highest owned player on the entire team, DeMontis Sabonis, 3.4% owned. Kevin Herter, 3.2% owned. There are some contrarian guys like Sabonis that you can consider getting to, especially when you think about what his upside is at low ownership. But there's nothing that really jumps off the page in me when it comes to Sacramento. It's also a pace down spot for them against the Heat. But do you see it differently when it comes to the Kings? Sure don't. Uh, I don't have a single share of anybody from Sacramento. You basically outlined all of those things. As always, like if you want to play De'Aaron Fox, go for it. If you want to play DeMontis Sabonis, go for it. Those guys are never zeros in these situations. But I don't know what you would want to do. Only guy that I think is sneaky here is Malik Monk. He has played 19 minutes in three straight games. You assume there's just a day where he gets hot and plays 27 like he normally does. And like he's going to do that at very little ownership. But price is coming down. Um, I don't think there's anything actionable to that, but he would be the, like the one guy in a GPP where I'd be like, okay, one, one of these days, those minutes come back. Otherwise I don't have anything from Sacramento. On the other side with the heat, there's nothing that I would consider to be high priority, but Tyler heroes down to 6,500 on DK. That's a playable price point. Bam out of bio. Who's been super expensive as of late. We've seen slates where Bam out of bio has been 9,000, 9,100. His price point has come down to 8,000 because of, him having some lackluster performances as of late. I'm not exactly sure how Terry Rozier is going to end up impacting this team going forward. I suspect it just means there's going to be some usage that comes away from everybody. But uh, Bam Adebayo and Tyler Hero have seen price discounts to the point that I do think they are playable tonight, Josh. Yeah, I got a little bit of these guys. I'm neutral to Tyler Hero. He's 9% owned. We have him with a little bit of positive leverage. I, I have no problem getting there. Good matchup. You know, not a great Sacramento defense or anything like that. That's what happens when you have Demontis Sabonis. Rogier is okay at 6,300. Jimmy Butler at 7,200. I actually thought I would get a little bit more of. He is 4% owned. I only have 4%. I have no problem at all getting to an 8K BAM. 8% um, ownership. Totally reasonable. I think those four guys are more than okay to get to. Do you have any interest in Josh Richardson at 3,100? No Duncan Robinson here. Got back into the rotation in that last game. Played 23.9 minutes. Like, 
can he just play 24 or 25? Like he's obviously not a good per minute dude, but 3,100, if he's back and playing 23 or 24 minutes, that's kind of something to talk about today. So I don't have him in lineups as of now. And I'm fairly sure what the issue is going to be. Players are going to get ruled out an hour, a couple hours from now. And then I think there's a case to get exposure to him now, but that's probably going to fall by the wayside by the time we get later on in the day anyway. I think we've got a pretty pessimistic projection on him. 0.68 fantasy points per minute. He's been at 0.78 over the past 30 days. 0.78 in my as like my baseline score. Uh, so I, I think we are a little light, but we also only have 19 and a half minutes. I'm a little bit of a more of a believer in him getting some extra time here. Um, and like, I don't want to say that I think Josh Richardson is some like amazing option, but we've got a lot of really ugly garbage value out there. This he could be a guy that can save you a ton of ownership at a comparable price point. I'm trying to think, was there somebody who was out last game that is back this game? For the no. Heat? No, the only two people that didn't play their last game were Lowry and Jovic of like people that played in this month. Um, And obviously, you know, Jovic isn't playing and Lowry isn't on the team. Duncan Robinson played four minutes and then Josh Richardson got back into the mix. Yeah, he was out of the rotation the game before. The one spot where I could see him losing minutes to is Terry Rozier. Rozier, 27 minutes last game. And Rozier's minutes have been down as they get him acclimated here to Miami. And if you look at the team and try to figure out where is Rogier, if he certainly ends up, which I expect he's going to play more minutes going forward. I think that's going to be the case. Where do those minutes come from? I yeah. guess it would come from Richardson. Who else would lose out on playing time? It's probably Richardson. So we'll see. I, I mean, I don't know how much they care about Highsmith. Like I could see him, Smith. I could see him just going away eventually. I don't like his minute. He's just he yo-yos through all of this stuff. They go to him aggressively, and then all of a sudden he's just like playing ten minutes and not really around. Yeah, as far as Richardson goes, I, if nothing else was to change, you've talked me into I would maybe do like an ROI upgrade boost to Richardson to get him into like you know two or three of my yeah. top lineups, and then we're gonna find out you know a couple hours from now somebody significant gets ruled out, and then. None of it's going to matter to me anyway. But yeah, I, I think you, you made a case for Richardson at least being playable in tournaments yeah. at his uh, low price point there. Anything yeah, like obviously if Duncan Robinson is in, we're not playing him at all. But I think he's going to step into some of that role. Like if they don't like what's going on with Terry Rozier, I, I think Richardson is a decent enough fallback plan. And Duncan Robinson, very, Duncan Robinson had a concussion. They said it was an illness, which is also very weird. He left the game. They're like, hey, uh, he's got a headache. He's, he's sick. No, no, no. He was, uh, he was concussed. So I don't expect Duncan Robinson to play. No, same. Let's see what we have next here. It is the New Orleans Pelicans against the Houston Rockets. On the New Orleans side of the game, we've got Zion, CJ McCollum, Brandon Ingram, all at reasonable price points, but... This is another team, Josh, that I'm really not finding myself getting to. The total's fairly high at 231.5, but the Rockets' defense has been better than expected this year. So at first glance, I look at these price points and think, hey, 7,300 Zion, 7,500 Brandon Ingram. These are appealing price points, but I just don't really get to them in any kind of meaningful amount. It's just like a couple lineups of each of them. They're all single-digit owned. They're all single-digit owned by me. 8% of Ingram, four of CJ, two shares of Zion. It's not much. We do have like some decent enough positive leverage on these guys. They do look like probably pretty good pivots around some of the higher owned guys that are on the slate, but it is a tough matchup here against Houston. You know, if you get 
real starter minutes and you can get Brandon Ingram playing 35 or 36 and CJ playing, you know, 35 minutes. Like that's when it starts to look good. But these guys are just involved in so many blowouts in different directions. I just don't see how you really prioritize anything from the Pelicans. It really does suck because I, I don't know how many minutes they're really expected to play these guys in a competitive game at this point because it doesn't happen. Like I don't, I don't know. Is in a close game, does Zion play thirty-eight minutes? Does he play thirty-one <laughs> minutes? I, I don't know because they haven't played no. a close game since I don't know, like the War of eighteen twelve or something. It's been a minute. Every game is decided by twenty-five points. Yeah, the last time that they played a close game, I think this team was in Charlotte. <laughs> yeah, let's see. It was the last game against Boston was only decided by six points. So that one was relatively close. But then the games before that, you look at all, it's like 24-point game, 31-point game, 20-point game. So that game that, let's see, there was a game against Dallas that was decided by five points. It's hard. There's just few and far between. It's a big slate. There's a lot of spots to target. GPP plays, you can take flyers on Zion, McCollum, Ingram. But if you guys are playing one, two, three lineups, I wouldn't have the Hornets in, or the Pelicans, I should say, in any of them. Anything else to add from the Pelican side of the game? Not at all. So let's go and look at the Houston Rockets. And I do think there's a lot that looks good about Houston. I can remember the last time I built lineups in the morning that Shangun didn't look good. Today's no different. Shangun is a top payup option on this late. Fred Van Vliet, he's been priced down for seemingly no reason. $7,200 for Fred Van Vliet, that is too cheap. He's regularly been like 75, 78, 7,700 lately. So in a plus matchup in a game that should be fairly uh, fast-paced, I like Fred Van Vliet. I like Shangun. Those are really the core of my Houston Rockets exposure. I'm over on Shangun. I'm over on Jabari Smith. We're a little bit lighter on him. We've got him with some negative leverage, but I have 16% of him. He played really big minutes in that return. And then for Fred Van Vliet, I'm right around the field as well. I think he looks good. 7,200 is too cheap for what he's been doing and how he's been playing. Do you have any interest in Jalen Green, who has been just bonkers lately? I only have him in one out of my top 150 lineups right now. I'm a big believer in the talent of Jalen Green, but he's not developed at all since he came into the league. Like I look at him and you watch him play and you say, oh, this is somebody with tremendous upside because how good of an athlete he is. And he has all of the physical tools, but then he just plays like a moron. His shot selection is terrible. He makes awful decisions. He's been wildly inefficient. But every once in a while, he shows, like last year, I I think it was last February or January, where there was a big spike in his assist rate. And I'm starting to think like, oh, he's added another element to his game. He's not only scoring dependent, and then that kind of fell by the wayside. But I mean, as of late, the usage is up. The efficiency has been up. The rebound rate has been up. He had seven assists last game as well. He's playing really well. I still think there's a ceiling for him with his talent, but I I just have to expect him to regress because this is what we've seen from him in his two and a half years in the league. Yep, um, we're on the exact same page here. I don't have much in this spot. I hope he continues to grow and like become that guy because it's just it's better for the league when young players thrive. Uh, not confident in it though. I know SP is not a big Jalen Green guy either. Yeah, I'm I'm expecting the regression to come. It's he's had four great games in a row, but that was after like 30 bad games in a row or something like yeah. that. So uh Jalen Green will We'll say it would be cool if he keeps up his efficiency, but it's hard for me to buy into it considering how poorly he's played on the whole for the last few years. Let's move on to the next game, Josh, where we are no. going to have a lot to talk about. I'm good. The Dallas Mavericks. It's a terrifying right. situation because there's no way to completely avoid it, 
But at the same time, too, they are 13-point underdogs, and we have seen games where this team has dealt with significant injuries and just looked terrible. So for tonight, Luka's out. Derek Jones Jr., doubtful. Dante Exum, doubtful. Kyrie Irving is out. Derek Lively is out. Derek Lively finishing last game was uh, one of the greater feats of toughness I've seen so far in the NBA this season. He got elbowed in the face and was immediately clear that his nose was broken. It was completely twisted sideways. He had a massive bump in it. His eyes were starting to swell up, but he stayed in the game just to help out some of my DFS lineups the other night. I appreciate him for that. But now for tonight, Josh, we have a massive amount of ownership going to this team. And I don't know how you get away from it when you look at all the usage and ministers to fill for Dallas. Grant Williams project for 43% ownership. We've got Tim Hardaway for 56% projected ownership. Jaden Hardy projected for 70.5% ownership. And then we've got Josh Green at 15% ownership. What do you make of the Dallas Mavericks with pretty much everybody matters being out for the team? I have Jaden Hardy in everything, like literally everything. 4,400 point guard, shooting guard, you know. We have him 19% optimal, 70% owned, uh, sizable negative 50 leverage. Uh, 19 feels a little light for for Jaden Hardy in this spot, given his price tag, given his MPE. Um, I have a much loftier projection on him at this moment, even if I brought that down, though. We're talking about probably the easiest guy to roster on this slate. The only other competition is going to probably be Tim Hardaway Jr., mm-hmm. 6K, shooting guard, small forward. Guess has like a 32% usage rate when those guys are not playing. Um, we have him 56% owned, 20% optimal. Both of those things just feel a tad low for what's out there. Or maybe that's just what happens when you face the Minnesota team that has the number one defense and the number 26 pace. But I am going to have all things Jaden Hardy, all things Tim Hardaway, and then Grant Williams for me. He's the guy that stands out the most in terms of justifying his ownership. We have him with relatively limited, negative eight leverage, 34% optimal, 4K, power forward only. I think he just has to play a ton of minutes just because of the way that this is shaking out. So those three guys in particular to me are probably cash game lock plays, at least if you were trying to make a cash game right now. It's the rest of the team that gets a little weird. Like Josh Green's fine. Maxi's fine. One of these other guys probably ends up being mildly interesting. I feel like we're going to end up not talking enough about like Dwight Powell today at 3,900, but I don't, I don't know what to say about any of the guys that aren't in the starting lineup because I have no trust. Does Markeith Morris play? Is it AJ Lawson, Omax Prosper, Rashawn Holmes, Seth Curry? Like they got a lot of dudes that could just soak up some of this other playing time. And I have no confidence in which one it's going to be. There's a lot of different ways to go with the starting lineup as well. My expectation is Hardy, Tim Hardaway Jr., Josh Green, Grant Williams, Dwight Powell. Is that the starting five that you're expecting as well? Or do you think they go a different direction? Can you say that one again? I was reading chat. Okay, uh, yeah, yeah, starting would... five. I just didn't hear the names. Hardy, Hardaway, Green, Williams, Powell. That's the starting five I'm expecting. I wouldn't be surprised if Maxi started over Powell just as an easier way to manage his minutes. Um, but I think the other four guys, I, I wouldn't make a change to it at all. I think you could flip-flop Kleba and Powell, and I could go either direction. Powell was starting earlier in the year, so I wouldn't be surprised if he did it here and they kept Maxi in like a... a you know, sort of bench roll, maybe closes if it works out well. Just feels easier to start Maxi and like give it your best shot to go five out right out of the gate. It's an impossible team to get away from. There's so much ownership here and it's it's justified to me. It's it's a team where you got Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving out. You've got all the usage in the world to fill. So 
I just got to hope this isn't another one of these games where the Mavericks lose by 30 points and score 70 points like they did on that one. Who'd they play on that Friday night? It was like the Thunder or something where everybody was out and they just it got was bad. bases kicked in. It was, it was I don't remember who it was. It was so bad. It was my but least yeah, like it's the there game. are a couple guys that you just don't have a choice today for Dallas. There's no there's no option. Like there's no optionality on Grant Williams, Jaden Hardy, and Tim Hardaway if they're starting. Other side of the game with the Minnesota Timberwolves. What are we liking here, Josh? We do have Mike Conley, who's listed as questionable to play. And I ha- I have to suspect he's more likely to sit than play. If he's clearly not 100%, which he's dealing with a hamstring injury, Mike Conley has missed, I don't know how many games over the course of his career with hamstring injuries. It's been a, yeah. a recurring issue for him. There is no need for Mike Conley to play. So my expectation is that he sits. Uh, with that in mind, guys like Anthony Edwards, he certainly ends up looking better because he's, he's priced down to an extent that doesn't really make sense to me. Uh, but then also we could look at Nikhil Alexander-Walker as being a, lower priced option once again in Mike Conley sits. What are you liking from Minnesota? I love Anthony Edwards. He that dude is in like so many of my lineups right now. Uh 8300, you've got that point guard shooting guard eligibility. His points prop at FanDuel right now is 27 and a half. I don't think I'm all that lofty. I have 28 and a half. So like I think that I'm well within a range for him. His rebound prop is four and a half with Heavy, heavy juice to the over. That's where I'm at. His assist prop is five and a half juice to the over. I only have 4.8. I actually think that he is like shockingly good today based on what the market is saying. He's in 60% of my stuff. I have him at 1.3 fantasy points per minute for this game. As long as he can get to, you know, up like north of 30 minutes, I think he's in line to just smash this Dallas team up. He is a priority for me today. I really like Rudy Gobert at 6,900, too. Uh, I just think he's in a really nice spot. They are the two guys getting real ownership, but a little bit of Jaden McDaniels would be fine. A little bit of Carl Anthony Towns would be fine. Probably don't need much Nikhil Alexander-Walker if we get Mike Conley out. That's just, it's not going to be all that interesting. But I see Anthony Edwards as a legitimate priority today. I have 43% of Anthony Edwards in my initial run of lineups, 31% of Rudy Gobert. So I'm on the same page as you. And then something else to add as well is that while people might say like, hey, look at all the blowout risks, don't want to play the Minnesota guys, I could certainly hear that. And I do think this is one of these games that is more of an elevated blowout risk than most of the games we talk about. But if I'm going to be playing guys from the Dallas side of the game, I'm probably screwed if the game's a blowout anyway. So I'm not going to downgrade guys like Edwards and Gobert, particularly if I'm already playing guys <laughs> from the Dallas side of the game. And if this game actually does stay competitive, Edwards and Gobert and then all these pieces from Dallas, there's immense upside in in small game stacks. Yeah, I like it. I like it a lot. Look, we've seen, we just saw Detroit beat OKC. Like teams beat other teams when they're not supposed to. It does happen. You can't just disregard the uh, option that this game just ends up being competitive. The piece that makes me really nervous is that Minnesota can blow them out and they don't have to play well. This is a reverse blowout. I talk about it a lot. Mm -hmm. Minnesota's defense is number one in the league. Dallas's offense while is normally number six, that's not what they are when Luka Doncic and Kyrie Irving aren't here. There's a possibility that Minnesota just holds them to like 75 real points. And you don't have to have a big game out of Minnesota at that point. They're just pedestrian. But because Dallas is so bad offensively, you get the blowout in the opposite way, the bad way. It's not going to change anything for what I'm doing, but that's the path that I see this, where Dallas just simply cannot keep up. Three games left to talk about on the slate. If you guys haven't done it yet, like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. And if you want to sign up for any package at stochastic.com or NBA Sims package, either the max version or just the base version, sign up using the link that we have below. 
Or if you want the lineup generator package, it is the most affordable package we have at Stochastic, less than $15. And if you're somebody who's a newer DFS player, or maybe you don't have the time to do research and prepare for all the news that comes in the lock, sign up for the lineup generator, less than $15. It's going to build lineups for you. It has our player projections in there. It has our ownership projections. So it's going to build lineups for you that we do project to be plus EV lineups, but you can still alter them, make some of your own changes using our projections and ownership projections. And it gets you access to the Discord channel. So every night now, myself, Rich, Lee, we hang out in the Discord channel after live before lock ends, and we let you guys know any updates and projections, news, and then also how it's going to impact our lineup. So sign up for any package at Stochastic using the links that are below in the description box. Final three games to talk about in the next one here, Josh, it is the Orlando Magic on the road against the San Antonio Spurs. And uh, Spurs starting to see a little bit of respect by the odds makers now, which is solely due to Victor Wembanyama, where most games we see with the Spurs now, they're at least fairly competitive. Spreading this game is four and a half points. As for Orlando, the only player on the injury report is Gary Harris. This is a good up-pace matchup for the Magic. Despite that, though, Josh, I'm not really finding myself getting to much exposure to this team. The return of Markel Fultz really throws a wrench into this team's rotations. Yeah, if I'm going to anybody, I got one share of Franz Wagner, and that is it. I don't have anything else for this team. I'm assuming we're going to, we have Jalen Suggs as like a really positive leverage play. He's not a 31 minute game, uh, game guy if Fultz is back now. So that those minutes are just going to come down and, and neutralize the only other interesting piece to talk about. But if you want to play Franz or Paolo Bancaro, I wouldn't tell anybody not to do it against San Antonio. But the more likely scenario for me is that I don't roster anyone from the Orlando Magic unless we get crazy news. Yeah, starting lineup is going to have Markel Fultz in it uh, in all likelihood. And with that being the case, this is a guy you have to give 28 to 30 minutes to. And yeah. then those minutes, some of them come from Jalen Suggs, some of them come from Cole Anthony. And then also the ball is going to be in Markel Fultz's hands a decent amount. So he takes away assists from guys like Franz Wagner and Paulo Boncaro. So uh, Markel Fultz, while he himself hasn't been a stud from fantasy purposes, he's a massive fantasy impact on the Orlando Magic. And it makes... This team just mostly unappealing, even though they're in a good spot against the San Antonio Spurs. Anything else to add from Orlando, Josh? No. So let's talk about the San Antonio Spurs. And I am I know that Victor Wembanyama's price has come up, Josh. He is now up to $9,200. I do not care. That is not nearly enough for the ceiling of what Wemby has. So nope. he's projected for less than 10% ownership. Uh, yeah, the field is making a mistake here. If he's actually going to be sub 10% owned, I am going to be loading up on Wemby. He's about half of my lineups now. And if more value opens up later, where it's even easier to get him into lineups, he's my favorite payup option on the slate relative to what his ownership is. I have 20%, so I'm 2Xing the field. I'm nervous about his minutes. Uh, I don't want to be so quick to get north of 30. We've only seen him play north of 30 in this month once. He got to 30.8 in the most recent game. But it, it it does, even with minutes limit, no minutes limit, I think he is just going to land around that 30 mark pretty regularly. I don't think he's really likely to play 34 in this spot. And that makes me a little bit more pessimistic about his playing time. So I tend I, I have him a minute and a half lower than we do. That's not stopping me from getting there. He's a incredible per minute dude playing 29 minutes a game and can be rostered at power forward. So I still want to get there, but I do want to like just semi pump the brakes on his playing time. I don't think he has as much additional minutes that as like somebody else playing 30 minutes could, I'd be very surprised if he started playing like 34 or 35 in a game at this point. 
his per minute production, just absolutely ridiculous as of late. I mean, it's been ridiculous all year, but now we're looking at him where it's like, is, is he a 1.8 fantasy point per minute type of guy? He's, yeah. he's a talent we've never really seen before in terms of just his size, his ability to be disruptive on defense. Like his ceiling for FanDuel going forward is ridiculous because he's yeah. going to have a season where he averages like five blocks and two steals per game. And just on defensive stats, he's going to be putting up over 20 fantasy points per game. So I know his price point has started to come up. It is not nearly enough to deter me from getting to him, especially if the nope. field isn't getting there. Yeah, I will absolutely be there. I, I hope that I maintain that 20%. I think he'll be more than nine as well. Probably pretty likely, especially when you consider what the injury report is for this team right now. Keldon Johnson is questionable. We've got Zach Collins questionable, Dominic Barlow questionable. And I don't know that Barlow and Collins both being out to the point you had made before means that we have to give Wemby like 34 minutes or anything like that. But I do think it solidifies his minutes. It's hard to go back to the games where he was only playing like 24 minutes if both Zach Collins and Dominic Barlow are out. But from a usage standpoint, there's also extra usage that would be going to Wemby if Keldon Johnson is out. Is there is yeah. there anything else do you potentially see yourself getting to from the Spurs if other players are out? As of right now, I only get to Wemby, but could that change for you if Johnson, Collins, Barlow are out? Uh, yeah, well, you could probably look a little bit closer at Devin Vassell. I'm guessing he would really soak up a decent chunk of that Keldon Johnson usage. Where it goes after that, I'm not entirely sure. I think Devin Vassell would be my first guy that I want to get to. That MPE helps quite a bit, but I mean, he's 2% owned right now. You're going to need those guys to be out to get to anything else from San Antonio. So let's go to the next game now. The Phoenix Suns on the road against the Brooklyn Nets for the Suns. Uh, The unthinkable has happened. We've actually seen an extended stretch of time where Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, Bradley Beal have all been active at the same time. What's up? Uh, Good point. I did skip over that. So I'm going to circle back to that because that is a very important one. So uh, back to Denver. Good call out, Jordan. I almost did the games out of order and missed out on the biggest injury news on the entire slate. Denver Nuggets, Josh. Nicole Jokic is questionable to play. If he is out, that obviously would have a massive, massive impact on the slate. As of right now, he is the player I get to the most of from Denver, but not anything crazy. I have 14% of Jokic. What would be the implication of Jokic not playing? Uh, we're going to play a lot of DeAndre Jordan at 4K today. Um, oh, that cool. Maybe Zeke Naji at flat 3K, depending on how they're going to go in this direction. And then you're bumping everybody else up usage-wise in a big way. Aaron Gordon uh, goes from like a meh dude to a very interesting dude because he can just everybody gets to, everybody gets to do everything. Jokic controls the entire team, 30% usage, 40% assist rate. That's got to go to somebody and somewhere. So you're bumping Murray, you're bumping Gordon, you're bumping Porter Jr. You're even bumping KCP to a degree. You're obviously getting to whichever center ends up starting. You might be able to get to both of them if you think they're going to split all 48 minutes. It just becomes a very, it takes Denver from being uninteresting to incredibly interesting. Fantasy points per minute for this team with Jokic off the court, 1.07 for Michael Porter Jr., 1.07 for Jamal Murray, 1.05 for Aaron Gordon, 1.03 for DeAndre Jordan. And we've actually seen Jordan play pretty big minutes in starts this year. Well, actually, it's only been one start, but in one game without Jokic, Jordan started, played 33 and a half minutes, put up 51.25 fantasy points. If he draws another start, and if we're going to expect him to play north of 30 minutes, he's a good option. I know he's washed at this point in his career, but he's still viable as a fantasy producer. He's still a guy who scores about a fantasy point per minute. 
I guess the question becomes, Josh, how much would you expect DeAndre Jordan to play if he starts? 24, 26, something in that neighborhood. Um, 26 feels like the safest bet. Let's see. Starts this year. He's got at least one that I can remember. So he played... 33 and a half. Yeah. Did he have any last year? Yes. So his starts last year... I got him here. 243 minutes in nine games. 27 minutes per start. Somewhere in that neighborhood. Yeah, and then his starts for what it's worth he did play more in his starts in the later stages of the year than the earlier part of the year so they were a little bit more willing to give him those minutes and then the one star we saw this year 33 and a half i'd go to like 28 with him as the starter i'd probably go 26 27 something like that i don't think it's gonna matter you know 0.95 at Let's say 26. Let's be really pessimistic. Mm -hmm. We'll call it 25 fantasy points at 4K. That's 6.25x. That's, you know, one of the three or four best per 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 dollar plays that you can get to here. It's not going to take 28 minutes to to make him show up in 40% of your stuff. Anything else you want to talk about from Denver? No, we got to get to the other side of this one, which is even more interesting to me because as of right now, I have 55% Shea. All right, so Josh has 55% SGA, who's also questionable to play. He's not the only one who's questionable. We've got Chet Holmgren questionable. We've got Lou Dort questionable. This is one of these spots where I don't really know what to make of it until we get more injury news. SGA himself holds so much weight to this team, but then Chet being questionable, Dort being questionable. There's so many different iterations of what could happen if players get ruled out, but what, what is your general overview on OKC right now? If SGA is in, he's the best play on the slate that you can pay up for today. Um, Jalen Williams is out already. We don't have to account for that right now. And that changes the game up a lot for SGA. Giant rate boost across the board. Increased usage, increased assist rate. We see SGA do more with Jalen Williams off the floor. And that is what's driving a lot of this for me. I have him with 35% usage rate, 35% assist rate. I have him at 1.6 fantasy points per minute at this moment. Now, that could even get more extreme, potentially. I'm I'm well higher. I'm about a tenth of a point higher than we are right now. But I expect Shea to be the guy that you want to get to. I don't mind the 22% ownership at all. I will be well north of that number if this breaks the way that it is right now with everybody in. If we lose a couple of those other guys, that's fine. Now, if Shea ends up out, all bets are off. You're getting to Giddy. You're probably jamming Lou Dort. Kaysen Wallace is at 3,900. He starts to become a very interesting option. You just, you create all sorts of value if SGA is gone. And then if Chet is gone, Kenrich Williams at 3,200, power forward center. Jalen Williams with a Y is the flat 3K. (laughs) We are going to have a lot of value no matter who ends up out for OKC. But if Shea is in, he's the guy I want more than anybody else on this slate, including that Dallas value. This could be a very weird game. We could see Jokic out. SGA out, Jalen Williams out, Chet Holmgren out, Dort out. It's it's when we just need more information on later yeah. on in the night. And it's it's also a game where what's good about it is there are all these players who are questionable, but we don't have to make too many accommodations in our lineup for it because it starts at the same time as the Dallas-Minnesota game. So if yeah. you're already getting a lot of exposure to Dallas-Minnesota, which you should, considering that Luka's out and then also that Kyrie is out, 
it is going to be very easy to allocate some of that exposure to OKC or to Denver yeah. if those players get rolled out. So this isn't one of these slates where I'm going to have to be doing like all kinds of upgrade and downgrade ROI boosts in the Sims tool to try to get to the players I want to make my lineups flexible. I'm going to have it built in just because when the Dallas game starts. Yeah, I mean, four games tipping off at eight o'clock plus Phoenix and Brooklyn after this one, there, you're going to have plenty of flexibility to move things around. So now let's talk on the final game of the slate, which is the Phoenix Suns on the road against the Brooklyn Nets. And uh, mm. not a whole lot that I like from Phoenix, Josh. I know we've seen Devin Booker play out of his mind as of late, but he's also shooting something like 64% from the field over the last couple of weeks. So nothing I view as sustainable. Here's what's going to happen with this team going forward, in my opinion. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker, Bradley Beal, they're individually going to have some big games, but there's very few times I'm going to want to target these guys when everybody's actually healthy from this team because it's going to be nearly impossible to figure out who's going to be the guy in any kind of given night. There's almost always going to be better payoff options to look at. Yep. I have one share of Kevin Durant. The highest owned dude is Bradley Beal at 4.1%. If you like Durant as a leverage play, he has a little bit of it. He's 7.5% optimal, but... Now, this is uh, whatever the opposite of a late-night hammer is. That's what the Phoenix side is. Other side of the game to uh, finish out the conversation on the slate here on the Strategy Show. And if you guys haven't done yet, like the video. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Check out the deep dive and live before lock later on the day. There's a lot that's going to change considering the amount of players that are questionable in the injury report. Ben Simmons is back for the Nets, Josh. He played pretty well last game. He looked really good, which terrifies me because there's no situation I ever want than to have to look at projections and say, hey, Ben Simmons looks pretty good. I don't think we're there quite yet because no. his minutes are still going to be restricted. But is there anything you are really liking from the Nets? Uh, not really, but maybe. Uh, we obviously think there's something up with Lonnie Walker, who's 24% optimal and 9% owned. Those two, that sort of thing just never exists. Either he's going to be more owned or we're going to come down. It's just impossible to have a positive leverage play like that in 2024. You get too much information by the end of the day. He did end up playing a bunch of additional minutes. He's 3,500 shooting guard, small forward. I only went to 22 minutes, not the 24. He is my most exposed net at 12%. Just seems like a decent value option that they're going to try to work in, but also could just go out there and play 16 minutes. I have a little bit of these guys. I've got a couple shares of Bridges, a couple shares of Claxton, a couple shares of Dinwiddie, a couple shares of Cam Johnson. Like, they don't look great, but they all look okay enough. I don't know how else to say it for these guys. I don't think, by the time the dust settles, I'd be very surprised if I get to anything from the Nets. So, if I had to yeah. roster somebody right now based on our projections, sure, like Lonnie, Lonnie Walker would, would warrant being in some lineups. But as for other guys like Mikael Bridges, Nick Claxton, even though they show up in a couple lineups now, I'm very certain that as more players get ruled out, nothing here is going to be necessary. Yeah. I actually want to make sure, like I'm happy to have some shares and some guys in this game. I'm happy to have chunks of it because it just makes that swap process easier if we need it to be uh, in that 7.30 to 8 o'clock window. So I'll, I'll never be mad about having exposure to the late game because it just makes my life easier. And that is going to do it for us today, guys. If you have not done it one more time, I'm going to ask you to like the video, subscribe to the YouTube channel. If you want to sign up for any package at Stochastic, use the links that we have below in the description box. It's also going to get you access to Discord. So all day, you can ask me questions. You can DM me after the slate has uh, started. But if we get late locking news or anything along the lines of players get ruled out, lineups look different, I'll be in Discord all night answering questions. So if that's appealing to you, sign up for a subscription using one of the links that we have below. But thank you very much for watching, guys. And stick around. There's going to be a first look show taking a first look at the Super Bowl with Ben Raza and Lofi right after this. So check that out. 
Good luck today, guys. See you later.